Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Pastor Brian Gibbs. I'd like you to grab your Bibles tonight if you would. We're going to go to the book of Jeremiah. That's where we're beginning tonight. Jeremiah, the first chapter. There's a number of scriptures we're going to look at in Jeremiah. We're going to take our way tonight. And uh, somebody give me the time. Jerry, where, where are we at? Excellent. Oh, we're in good time. Wow, we're in good shape. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 1. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. I'm holding in my hand something that tormented me in the early 80s. How many of you remember this? Take a good look at it. Just look, look this way, everybody. Do you, anybody remember what this is? This is the, the old Rubik's Cube. The old Rubik's Cube. And thankfully, when I bought it today at Walmart, it was perfectly put together. Because on the, on the drive over, I got nervous thinking, oh my gosh, if it's in total disarray, how in the world am I going to put it together? I'm so thankful that it came perfectly set and ready for tonight. Um, so I had a unique experience tonight, or uh, many years ago, and I want to use this tonight prophetically. What I try to do is every time I minister, I try to move in prophetic pictures so that we can see and grasp revelation and truth and apply it into our life. And if we can see something in the spirit, then it can be attached and engaged into our world and our life. It gives us a new lens to see reality. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. Years ago, I, I had a unique experience, and some of you remember uh, me talking about this, but I went to minister. My wife and I were in Columbus, Ohio, and I asked a gentleman to stand out in the aisle way, and I looked over his head, and this is how the Lord ministers to me a lot. He shows me prophetic pictures, and I saw a Rubik's Cube come down on the potter's wheel. The potter's wheel was spinning, and I saw the Rubik's Cube just spinning there on the potter's wheel, and it was all disarrayed. All the colors were in the wrong spots, and I saw the hands of the Lord come down over the Rubik's Cube, and when the hands came over the cube, all the colors went directly to where they were supposed to go, the whites and the whites, the blues and the blues, the reds and the reds. But I saw it spinning there on the potter's wheel. And so I began to prophesy to this man concerning his life and concerning what the Lord was showing me about the Lord lovingly putting his life back together and his life being on the potter's wheel and declaring a miracle into his life that that which was in total disarray and disrupted that the Lord would put him back together again. And my wife can tell you that's exactly what the Lord did. And it took five years and it was a miracle process, but God put him back together again. It was beautiful. I want to use this tonight really as a prophetic illustration. And you are in Jeremiah chapter one. And I want to read verse five over us as we lay a foundation tonight. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart, and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. 
I love, the, I love, I want you to see nations as plural. Often we think of Jeremiah just being a prophet to the nation of Israel, but actually he was a prophet for all nations and for all generations and all time. That's why in 2018 we are still reaching into the core and the depth of Jeremiah's ministry. Are you with me? He was a prophet to the nations. Now, what this does is this reveals something concerning the Father and concerning us. He knew us just like he knew Jeremiah before we were formed in our mom's womb. The Lord knew us. Now, that's a profound thought, isn't it? In eternity past, before time began, God knew us. He foreknew us and he forbear us. He knew us. It's a powerful thought. He said, before you were born, I set you apart. Many of us are familiar with the same. Uh, the same prophet gives these words. The Lord speaks to him in Jeremiah 29 in verse 11. He says, for I know the thoughts or the plans or the purpose or the intentions that I have for you, says the Lord. And these plans and thoughts are to give you peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now think about that. God thought about us and dreamt about who we would be as a son or as a daughter of God. And he dreamt of a plan and an unfolding of a purpose and a destiny before time, before time ever began. He dreamed about the color of our life and the revelation of our life and the mystery of our life and the mystery of our times. God perfectly set us in time, in the fullness of time, just like he did his son. It's beautiful. In Jeremiah chapter 18, and I want you to just go there for just a moment. Jeremiah 18, I'm going to read four verses for you tonight that are going to help us prophetically. Jeremiah 18, verses 1 through 4. Hmm. Are you there? You can't hear those smartphones and those iPads going. You <laughs> Jeremiah 18, 1 through 4, it says, The word which came from Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. And then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he had made of clay was marred in the hands of the potter, so he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good for the potter to make. Wow. The clay was marred, yet in the hands of the potter, he had another plan to make the vessel into something completely new and fresh. I want you to write this word down tonight, marred. Marred. It's interesting that God speaks to Jeremiah, and he says, go down, and I want you to look upon something, and when you look, you are going to have a brand new spiritual understanding. 
When you go down and see this, you are going to become enlightened and hear my voice. You're going to hear and you're going to see. Amen? The scripture gives us a principle in 1 Corinthians 15, and it talks about first the natural and then the spiritual. First the natural and then the spiritual. So he moves the prophet into a place where he can see something visually. And then once he peers upon it and he looks upon it visually, then it's going to move him to a greater vantage point, a prophetic place where he begins to see. And that's what God does to us. God moves us into new places and dimensions so that we can begin to see and peer into something very, very fresh to give us a heavenly vantage point and a heavenly perspective. Are you with me tonight? He said that the clay was marred. Listen, this is what marred means. It means to be impaired or disfigured. Marred also means it means to be blemished. Now, this is important definition. It means to be blemished. It means to be spoiled. Wow. It means to be scarred or blemished or detracted or disfigured. I can tell you that in life, all of us have lived long enough to go through spoil and go through turbulence in our life to where we have become disfigured, where we have become spoiled, where we have been detracted, where we have been scarred, yet, yet our lives in the hands of the potter, our lives on the potter's wheel finds a new place of transformation and a new place of victory and a new place of reformation. In the hands of the Father. This is where it happens. Our life finds a place of transformation in the hands of the Father. Are you with me tonight? I think the Lord loves transformation. I think He loves it so much that He has put it within our DNA, transformation and redemption. There's something about God's personality and how he dreams and how he envisions that he puts on the inside of our very essence and our very nature. Right now, you can, you can go on Fixer Upper. You can watch Chip and Joanna. Everybody's fixated upon it. What is it about our lives that we are so fixated upon that? I'll tell you why. Because when we look at something that is dilapidated, broke down, needs fixed, when someone walks in with a fresh vision or a fresh canvas of vision and they can see that removed, that wall torn down, that moved out, lights going up here, new, new countertops here. Are you, are you tracking with me? There's something innate. There is something innate about the vision of God that he puts on the inside of us because we are the same way. That's why men spend their lives leaning over an old car. It's got so much rust on it, it looks like it's got leprosy. But those guys will walk up to it and they'll see a new vision. They'll see something that's been sitting in that, that graveyard for cars and they'll see a resurrection. I had uncles like this. I had cousins like this. 
And they would look at that car. They'd have that car towed to their garage, and years would go by. I'd pu- pull into their driveway on my bicycle, and they another year would tick by. What are they doing? They're in there sanding the body, sanding the body, working. Are you tracking with me tonight? Come on. We're tracking spiritually. We're talking prophetically. They'd be sanding that body. They'd be working on that engine. They'd be mixing the paint. They'd be getting it all ready. Why? There was vision on the inside of them for transformation. There was vision on the inside of them for restoration. It's who God is. It's who God is. (laughs) So we introduce tonight the Rubik's Cube. (laughs) You know, in, in the 80s, it was very common to find a lot of these very disheveled and broken down. In, in old days, in the old 80s, actually, these used to be stickers. How many of you remember that? Well, they, they wised up and they made these all plastic. You can't peel that sticker, Mark, as bad as you want to. How many of you remember when these first came out? It, it, these were all stickers. And I kept thinking about this this week because the Lord kept showing me this prophetic vision for this word. I didn't know I was going to bring this word tonight, but he kept showing me this. But in the 80s, it was very typical to find these all over, and you would find stickers that had been peeled off, and you would find squares that are all black, or, or you would find crayon or markers that kids had written on, you know, on one of the squares, and worse yet... You would find squares completely broken off of the Rubik's Cube and laying around like a Lego. And anybody knows stepping on those. Hallelujah. Jesus, help me. But it's a lot like our life. It's a lot like our life. If you live long enough, you're going to go through some stuff where you're going to have the color in your life peeled off. You're going to go through some things in your life where things are actually stolen and the color is no longer there and it seems bleak and it seems black. You're going to go through some things in your life where literally it's going to be broken off and you don't understand it and it becomes a mystery to you. It becomes a mystery to you. And that place... That is where we turn our life over to the Lord. We call it faith. We call it faith. And faith is fully trusting the Lord when we don't understand, but when we're in the mystery of things being stolen away from us or broken off of our life, that is where we trust the genius and the brilliance of God to put us back together again. I kept seeing this this week, and I kept seeing a a disarrayed, Rubik's Cube, and I kept seeing it all messed up, and then just like a child tonight as our worship team was singing about just, I think it was Angela, just talking about us being childlike before the Lord, just turning it unto the Lord, and the moment, I kept seeing this image this whole week, the moment that the cube got into just the fingertips of the Lord and Him smiling, it went perfect, and then He would hand it back, and then Here we go along life, and it was all messed up again, and all the colors, everything was out of sync. And then we realized, oh, yes, I I actually 
what has been frustrating me and turning me upside down and bothering me and got me all perplexed. All I have to do is just turn like a child and say, uh, 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 Dad, Dad, Dad. And the moment it got into his hands, there it went right back to perfection. You know, that's his ministry. It is the ministry of the Holy Spirit that heals us from the innermost places. It is the ministry of the Holy Spirit that brings transformation inside of a teenager, a child, a man, and a, and a woman. Christianity is just not you wishing and hoping and trying your hardest it is not behavioral modification. Christianity is not some sin management program. Christianity is this. It is the transformation of the Holy Spirit's work on the inside of us as sons and daughters. That's truly what it is. I like to say this, and I believe it helps a lot of people every time I say it. It is not your ministry to fix yourself. It is the Holy Spirit's ministry to fix you and put you in perfection. I said in perfection, not imperfection, in, I-N, in perfection. That's his ministry. He is ever present. Say that, he is ever present. He is the healer. He's the redeemer. He's the restorer. He's the fixer-upper. <laughs> He's a good father. And amazingly, amazingly, he makes this promise. And this may be a little steep for you, but try it on for size. He said, I'll make all things work together for your good. If the color's been stolen out of your life, if a piece has been broken off and it's missing. He said, I am able, if you put it in my hands. I'm able to cause my goodness to come into your life and make it all work together for you so that it's beneficial. Go to Romans chapter 8 tonight. <laughs> are you with me tonight? Yeah, you are. Yes. He's with us tonight. He's with us. My God, he's with us. Listen to this. I'm going to begin to read in verse, let's pick 26. Can we do that? Likewise, the Spirit, it helps in our weaknesses. That's a good word right there. Somebody say amen. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we do, we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Now, he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Verse 28. You all there? And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that we might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, he has also called. Whom he called, 
These he also justified, and whom he justified, he has also glorified. Now, I want to read this for a moment out of the Passion Translation. This week I was swimming in these scriptures, and this lit my heart on fire. I'm going to read out of verse 28. If you have the Passion, maybe you have it right there on your phone. I want you to listen to these words. Verse 28. It says, We are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan to bringing good into our lives. My God. For we are lovers who have been called to fulfill His his design purpose. I want to read that again. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. We are convinced. We are convinced. We are convinced. I want to say it to you like this. Our minds have to be continually renewed to the point that we become convinced that God is so big, there isn't anything in our world, there isn't any storm that we will ever go through, there isn't any place of turbulence in our life, in our past, or days to come that God's throne is not settled firmly upon. Our mind continually has to be renewed. It has to be convinced that God will take every mishap, every detour, every dysfunction, every spoil, anything that has imploded or collapsed all around us, God is able to be given that and into His hands He begins His masterpiece work. Our minds have to be renewed to this. Now, listen to this word, predestined. Say it, predestined. Don't you like that? Predestined. When you study the word in the Greek, it's pre-horizo, which means pre-horizon. And this is what it means. When we hear the word horizon, God looked at our life. Now remember, he knew us before he ever, hang on to this, and I'll I'll get that back in a minute. Don't you dare mess that up because I can't put it back together. (laughs) I guess Cody can. I'm I'm getting a word over here that Cody can put it back together. That's good. Predestined, pre horizo. It means, watch this prophetic picture. It means that God saw our life dawning, the dawning of a new day of our life, the horizon of our life coming in the right time. He dreamed a dream of our life. He dreamed a dream for our life. Created us, knew us before time existed, and saw the dawning of our day and declared I know the purpose and I know the plans that I have been thinking before the foundation of the world over you and over me. I know them. And these dreams and these plans and these purpose, they are filled with hope and they are filled with wonder. Wonder. 
majesty, splendor. But yet everything in the world within this dimension of life that has come against us in pain, in anguish, things that have been stolen from us, things that are just indescribable, that when you, you even try to talk about them, you're embarrassed to even talk about them because they make no sense. Things that were broken off from life. God says in the midst of it all, I'm able, if you put your hands, if you, if you put your life in the potter's hands, if you put your life on the potter's wheel and let the hands of God begin to do its masterpiece ministry, then he makes all things work together for good. Let's dive into this predestined, predestined. I want to say boldly tonight that Jesus died for all to be saved. Now, we got to know this. He called us all to be sons and daughters. Many, many years ago, there, there was so much distortion and so much heresy when theologians began to even approach this predestined because they believed that there were those that were predestined for heaven and there were those that were predestined for hell. And that is incorrect teaching. That's heresy. If that was the case, Jesus would have never been sent to die on the cross. He didn't die for one-third or three-quarters or for half. He died for all to be saved. Come on. He died for all to be saved. He died for all to be delivered from an eternity without Him perished in hell. Listen to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Let's get our Bible straight tonight. Amen. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4. It says these words. It says, this is good. And this pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. You see that? He desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And 2 Peter Chapter 3 and verse 9, some of these verses you just need to put into your notes tonight. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, listen to this. It says, the Lord is not slack concerning His promise. There it is again. We've been hearing this all night in our worship experience about the promise of God being faithful. The Lord is not slack in His promises, as some would count slack, slackness. But as long-suffering is towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. See, that was the dream of God. Predestined and called by God, He predestined that all could become sons and daughters of the Most High God. Most High God. Redemption, <laughs> redemption is for all. Come on, redemption is for all. It is whosoever shall believe. For God sent His Son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever, whosoever would believe should not perish, but have everlasting life. Whosoever would believe, predestined. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 15. I know I'm moving you along tonight. It says that he died for all. Amen. 
He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but to him who died for them and rose again. One more time. He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Here's a scripture for you. Try this one on. This is Matthew 22, verse 14. Matthew 22, verse 14. It says, many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. This scripture used to drive me nuts so many years ago. It used to drive me wild. I was like, Lord, what in the world does that mean? Until I really began to take time to study it. And what it means is, is that many are called, but very few choose that calling. It's very simple. Many are called, but very few choose that calling. Jesus also put it into this context in Matthew chapter 7. He said, the broad road is a road that leads to destruction. Yet the narrow road and the narrow way is the path leading to everlasting life. Yet few find it. Did you hear that? Yet few find it. He said, many are called, but not all embrace that call. What am I talking to you about? I'm telling you that the plan of God comes when we hear his call and we submit our lives to put ourselves on the potter's wheel, when we are marred, when we are wounded, when we are frail, when nothing makes sense, when everything is somewhat spinning out of control, when we submit our lives to be placed on the potter's wheel and let the word of the Lord wash over us, wash over us, renewing us, cleansing us, cleansing us, and let his hands come upon us, then we're made new. It's us surrendering to the call. Many are called, but few embrace that calling. Ephesians chapter 2, and I want you to go there tonight. I want you to see it tonight. Don't just put this in your notes. (laughs) As you're going there, Paul writes in Romans 8, he says, That God predestined us and called us and he had a vision for our life. And then he makes this statement. He says that we would be conformed into the image of the Son of God. There is an overarching prophetic picture that I want us to see tonight. God's end game is to make every son and daughter look exactly like Jesus. A dear friend of mine who just stepped into heaven two weeks ago, he helped me with this many years ago. And he said, Brian, your destiny has nothing to do with how many people you will ever pastor. It will really never matter how many butts are in the seat or how big or how small your church is. Your destiny is not how big the notoriety of your ministry will ever be. Your destiny is, it has nothing to do about the size of the house you will live in, the car that's going to be in your driveway, how much bank that you've got. Your destiny is ultimately to be conformed into the image of the Son of God and be a revelation of Him in the earth. This is the dream of God. You know, tonight I could say that it was destiny 23 years ago for me to marry my wife. That would be accurate. Was that destiny? Absolutely. But was that my ultimate destiny? No. She was given to me 
as a gift for the ultimate destiny because God would use her in my life to help conform me into the image of the Son of God. Do you see it? There's an overarching destiny that God is dreaming and looking to us. And He puts friends, He puts covenant family in our lives, but they're There is a greater vision for all of it. It's so that we become molded and transformed into the image of Jesus. That we become glorified. Looking like Christ. This is our destiny. You with me tonight? Come on, am I helping you? Am I helping you? I want to help us tonight. Well, thank you. Ephesians 2. Let's go ahead and read. Let's start in verse 7. It's hard to skip any of this. Ephesians is the greatest book ever. (laughs) That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us. I love that language. In Christ Jesus. For by grace... You and I have been saved through faith. And not of yourselves, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. And it's not by works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared, here it is again, beforehand, That we should walk in them. He predestined works that we would walk in our destiny. Are you seeing it tonight? Many of you know that this word workmanship literally means that we are God's masterpiece. The grace of God comes into our lives. And actually in a covenant of grace, God envelops us. He envelops us. He encircles us, our life, spirit, soul, and body, in a grace, honestly, that's just indescribable. It's beyond the measure of words. But God has wrapped us in a covenant of grace. And inside of that working of grace, the Holy Spirit, from the inside out, begins to transform us and conform us into the image of Jesus. On our way there, what happens is, is we begin to walk into the things that God has dreamed and predestined and designed and made purposeful for us to discover and find along the way. It's amazing. It's amazing. Back to the front of this train now, if I can. Can I see that, Terry? Thank you for not messing that up. (laughs) I appreciate that. When we trust the Lord with our life, when we trust the Lord with what doesn't make any sense, when we trust the Lord from the things that really stole from us, when we trust Him with our life, and we put our lives in his hands, then we're on the potter's wheel. It's the only place we can be transformed. It's the only place he can heal a man's spirit 
or a woman's spirit. It's the only place. I thank God for amazing meetings. I thank God for our amazing meetings. But it's a lifestyle of staying. It's a lifestyle of staying on the potter's wheel. In a place where what was marred can now start making sense. On the other side, God's going to explain a lot to us, isn't he? It's going to be a grand day. He's going to explain a lot to us. But in the meantime, this is what I want to encourage you with. God is working to make everything in your life work together for your good. And I want to say it to you over one more time, once again, from the Passion Translation. It says, I am convinced that God is working to make all good things come to me. I am convinced. Are you convinced yet? You don't have to answer. Just let it really sit on your heart. Are you convinced yet? Is your mind being renewed that, you know what? God is going to make this work for my good. If you'll put your faith there, if you'll move out of a place of doubt and unbelief or even anger or even confusion or anxiety about whatever that is that you fill in the blank, if you'll stay there in faith, God will make it for your good. Amen? He's a good God. And He's a good Father. He's a good Father. He's a good Father. Amen. Why don't you put your Bibles aside? Why don't you stand to your feet tonight? Hallelujah. Cody, would you just come back? Just jump on the keys. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Lord, I know that we've been talking individually, but now I want to pray corporately. I want to pray corporately that everything that every son and every daughter has walked through in this company of believers, every one of us, the epic battles that we have been through in our lives, some of the things even that we are presently enduring even now, I want to say it is worth it. It is worth it. Tonight, I call you faithful. Tonight, I call you true. Tonight, I say the work that you are doing in us to transform us is beautiful. Tonight, I say that you are making us powerful. Tonight, I say you are making us more than conquerors. Tonight, I say, you are building and raising up overcomers. Tonight, I say that your work in us is beautiful. Tonight, I say that the fire that you put in us, it is unquenchable.
I want to say over us tonight that we haven't come this far just to come this far. You haven't come this far just to come this far. The Lord will see you all the way through. The Father's hands are on your life. The Father's hands are on your family. The potter is still patiently working his wheel. The potter is still faithfully pouring the water of his word over you, reshaping, making you, forming you, and forming me to bear the very image of Jesus. I say, Lord, do your masterpiece work over victory. Hallelujah. Do your masterful, masterful work over victory, God. Show forth your glory. Bring us into that which you have dreamed. That which you have dreamed, God. Lord, I love what we declared tonight. Even, even the preconceived ideas and ways that we thought you should move. We just go ahead and say, God, you move in our lives the way you want to move. We give you full access to our lives, Lord. We give you full access to our lives. And I declare tonight that every life... And us moving together as one, we're going to enter into that which God has dreamed and predestined for us. God saw the dawning of this day. God saw the horizon and knew that it was good. And He blessed it. And He blessed us. And He said, go forth and be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. Have dominion. Have dominion. Glory to God. Honey, would you join me tonight? As hands are lifted, I want my wife to just declare a blessing, especially over our women, over our moms, over our spiritual moms in this house tonight, and to bless you. Amen? Come on, let's lift our hand. I just bless you, mamas, tonight. In Jesus' name. You know, mamas are, are like the heart of the family. You know, they feel. They feel what's going on in the family. They experience the joys in each and every life. They experience the sorrows and the grief of what's going on, the situations that are happening in each and every life in their home. I just want to encourage you ladies tonight that just this word I just pray and I declare that it encourages you tonight to just continue to to lift your children up lift your family up before the Lord the scripture says that which was sown in tears shall be reaped be reaped with joy those who go forth continually sowing shall come back rejoicing, carrying the sheaves with them. And so I bless you, moms. I encourage you to continue to sow, 
Continue to sow and pray for your families. Continue to sow, even in tears. I decided a long time ago I was going to sow in tears instead of reap a harvest of tears. And so continue to sow. Continue to sow in tears for your children and for your families. I just bless you tonight. And it's never too late to start. It's never too late to start. There's an old African proverb, and it says that the best time to sow a tree, it was 20 years ago. But the second best time to sow a tree is today. It's never too late. It's never too late. So I bless you, mothers. In the name of the Lord, I pray that your day tomorrow is filled with joy and laughter, filled with honor and love, thankfulness with his presence enveloping you. I just bless you and I honor you for how you've sown into your family, into their spirits, into their souls, and into their bodies. And I just pray, Lord, for all that they've sown, for all that they've served, God. Lord, that you would bless them, that you would strengthen them and encourage them in a great and a deep way, that you would edify them and build them up in their most holy faith, Lord, continually strengthening, and strengthening them, Lord. May they go from glory to glory in your presence. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com.